We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. I realized that there's something 
in what we have, not in a Sunday service, but in gathering together as a family of believers, that we don't realize what we've got. Because that doesn't make sense. Like, you can be a Christian, you can love Jesus, and you can know, I've got my friends, but I'm not going to risk losing the food that my children need to eat just to go to a, a gallery. Like, just to be with people because um, we like socializing or because we're social creatures or we need some human interaction. When, when, it's, when, it's, when, it's, when it's your life that's at stake, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're not going to risk that for a party. You're not going to risk that for a bride. Or a rugby match watched together because it's fun. There's got to be something in what we've got that we don't realize. And this is something that God's been speaking to me for a very long time. That there's something, something in what we've got that we still need to discover. It's like having a farm and not realizing there's actually a lot of treasure hidden under your wheat fields. And sitting on that treasure, and maybe there's a drought and the wheat harvest isn't good, and maybe things are really tight, or you have to sell the farm because it's going so tough, and never realizing there's all this treasure right under the surface. That's really something that I'm asking God to open my eyes to, and for all of us. Because there's something in this that's, that's absolutely amazing, but not just absolutely amazing, also absolutely necessary. This is something that we need. Church family, church community, and when I say that, I'm not just talking about this family in Stanmarsh. And Grace Life is one church in many locations. So you have family, not just all over the country, but all over the world. But I'm not even just talking about Grace Life. I'm talking about every single believer, every single child of God on this planet. That family, that extension is not just something that's nice or something that's good for us, or something we need to enjoy. It is something that is absolutely vital. And that's why we need to realize what this is and what we've got. Okay, now, getting excited, so I'm running into it myself. <clears throat> is there anyone who'd like to share what they're thankful for this morning? Anyone? First hand up.
was incredibly fruitful and, um, and uh, lots of exciting testimonies from there. Most of them are keeping back by now. Uh, and then he has some more uh, ministry to do in uh, one or two other countries, which he then rented it. Um, I thought he was coming back on Tuesday. And the boys and I were counting down. And uh, I think it was on Friday night. I was like, yay, four sleeps. And then I found out that he's actually coming back on Wednesday. And I had to change the number of sleeps, which is very discouraging for an eight and six year old. Uh, but they were very gracious with me for my error. And, uh, and so I'm very thankful that it's only Wednesday. <laughs> and I didn't make a, week, a week's mistake in there. So um, before we start, I'm going to just ask you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here in your fullness. That you are within each of us. But that you're also among us. Holy Spirit, thank you that you want to speak to each one of our hearts today. That you know.
leading for staff completing the standard. Yeah, but when there's trauma in a box and you need to dig for it, to dig for the little treasures, there's a there's a name for that. Indeed, we know that. <laughs> Almost like a legal analysis. Um, we need busy boxes for the kids, but when you put in sand or rice, and they have to find the little toys inside. Okay, never mind, I drew the picture. But if you read the Bible as a message, as something that was intended to communicate one idea or message to us, the Bible is incredibly simple, it's incredibly powerful. And that means that wherever you go, whoever you speak to, whether it's someone with limited mental abilities, whether it's someone who doesn't speak your language, whether it's someone with a completely different cultural worldview, whether it's a child, the gospel applies, the gospel makes sense. Is it simple? Okay. The gospel communicates to us that there is one thing for us to do on earth. Anyone want to volunteer what that is? What is our one instruction? <laughs> Which Bible verse is that, sir? <laughs> Bible verse, anyone? Which is? Go ye into all the world and make disciples. What's a disciple? Someone who knows Jesus personally and someone who can live out what he's asking and make more disciples. Right? You can you can you can bandy about the definition of it, but that's more or less Okay? That means that we have one calling on this earth. What is our calling? Scripture verse anyone. Yes, John 3 16. Just outside that in to know God. Yeah. Yeah. We have we 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 have one calling. Okay? John 3 16, God so loved the world. This was God's one mission. Okay, and somehow we often think that, like, we often have the audacity to think that uh, that was God's mission and no, this is my mission. Okay, as if there are many to be able to choose from. Okay, He so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that no one should perish but have a wonderful life here on earth and be super happy and comfortable. Did I get that right? to have eternal life. Okay, we all know that eternal life is relationship with God, is oneness and union with Christ. Okay? But it also means, and this is very comforting for those of us who have lost loved ones, this also means that this life is not it. This means that this life that we now have because we're one with Christ is something that's going to continue after death. And this is the life that Christ has asked us, instructed us to take into the world. Okay? We are the custodians of the world, humankind. It is our job to look after it. Okay? But our one calling, our one mission is to take this everlasting life into the world that God loves. Okay? Um, Corinthians, Corinthians I want to find that setting on my phone. It makes it not go off if I don't touch it for 10 seconds. 
So if, if, if anyone knows what button I need to press, please tell me afterwards. Because I need that. Um, otherwise, I have to find like a million things again. Okay, Second Corinthians 5. The Ministry of Reconciliation. You can read that whole chapter, it's amazing. All this is from God. We're a new creation, that verse says. The old is gone, the new is here. We are now one with Christ, we are righteous, we are holy. We have a fullness on the inside of us. We're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This message that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeals through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Okay, so either you have not received Christ, and God is pleading with you through his ambassadors, be reconciled to Christ. Or you have received Christ and now you are the face of Jesus, the ambassador of Jesus, imploring the world, pleading with them, be reconciled to God. Now it's very hard to have that heart of missionary fervor in today's culture, really. Because um, it's like, People don't seem to need Christ maybe as much. Like, and most of what the culture says is, you know, everyone must find their own path. Everyone must find their own happiness. Don't you tell people what they should believe or do? Um, that's very um, preachy. That's very prideful of you. How did you know? How can you say that you have the path to happiness or that you have the way to truth? Okay. And even um, I found myself when I was studying, which was centuries ago. Um, I know a bit, but um, I find myself being affected by that because in all the history books, the missionaries were just like cultural oppressors. oppressors. These missionaries who laid down their lives and went into the jungles, you know, they were just imposing Western civilization upon these wonderful people who were, who were just trying to live out their culture. Okay, now, some missionaries were real bad guys, like there's some horror, horror stories. There's some really horrible missionaries in history. Hopefully no one wrote books about them. I don't think they did. But I was, um, I was, uh, we were reading something uh, with the boys, um, or I was, I'm not using the royal we. Um, and uh, I have two little boys, okay, so everything needs to be very exciting or slightly gory. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, um, so um, we were reading about these explorers who discovered the tomb of an income mummy. And then someone was going to say, you know, they were going to be cursed and they all got sick. And there was a point to the lesson. Um, you know, one of the spoken nightmares. But so I thought, hey, let me Google. Because they were asking, why do the mummies look like this in the pictures? And they were let me Google a video about the income mummification process. This is education. I didn't realize. And I didn't preview the video. And it was a National Geographic video. I was like, you know, that seems safe. 
didn't just have mummies, like the Egyptians had mummies, they mummified their kids, great, for the afterlife. The Inca mummies were not like that. The Inca mummies were human sacrifices to the sun god. And not just were the Inca mummies human sacrifices, they were child sacrifices. The Incas would take their princes and their princesses, the children of the most important families, fatten them up, and leave them on the mountain to die. Okay, so I have to obviously um, do some intense emotional counseling with my children after this. But I used the opportunity. I said to them, can you imagine living in a world where there's a God in control of everything that's important? The sun, the rain, your health, your safety. And this God needs to be appeased by feeding him children. Can you imagine living in that darkness? This is why people gave up their lives in whatever country they were, traveled to the middle of the jungle where they knew they were going to die of some horrible tropical sickness that there's no cure for, but hoping that before they die of this horrible sickness, they get to share the love of Christ with someone. This is why we do what we do. And I said to them, you know, maybe we don't have so many people sacrificing babies anymore. Maybe we still do. But there are people in our town, people in big world cities where the lights are and all the nice shops that are living in a world, in the same world of darkness and fear and lovelessness. And this is why we need to tell them that the God who created the universe loves them. Gave himself for them. Because they need to hear this. Because these days if you're sharing the gospel with someone, it's offensive. How do you, how do you share your religious views with me without my specific invitation? So it's hard. But if you realize that this is the reason why we're here, then it gives us a purpose and a meaning. Because cultures kind of brainwash us to think that we want help, we want comfort. But we actually don't, because when you get comfort, you realize that it doesn't help and it doesn't make you happy. And that's why so many very rich people also feel depressed. I'm not saying it's a it's a it's a sickness uh, uh, exclusively reserved for rich people, but uh, um, you know. We are not called to live a life of comfort. It will not make us happy. We were designed for purpose. And if you just really want a good life, then it's better to end it now so you can go and be with Jesus because it's a much better life. It's a much better life again. You don't have to start, you don't have to work, you don't have to bold, you don't have to overcome the brokenness and deal with a bad economy that you know, apparently is going to crash. And uh, the end of the world is coming and there's going to be floods and wars and whatnot. Like, then you don't have to deal with any of that. Then you can just go and have a good life with Jesus. And everything will just be amazing. Okay? Some people say, oh, I don't want Jesus to come back before I've gotten married, you know? <laughs> Being with Jesus is going to be way better than being married. Way better. Way better. I think you quite a high angles of marriage or you have no idea how awesome it's going to be to be with Jesus. We are on earth for this one reason. 
we have one mission, one calling, like all of us. This is our calling, we're ministers of, of reconciliation. And each of us is made in a unique way, and each of us are going to live our Christ differently, and we're all going to find different things for our hands to do while we are here, but this is our calling. This is not my main point. I'm trying to get past this. Okay. Now the thing is, there's one mission, there's one calling. God so loved the world. Now I want you to think about the person you love most in the world. If you can't think of someone specifically, just think of yourself, because for most of us, that's that's us. Okay. Think about that love. God loves every single person on this planet more than. That's feeling you have on the inside. Okay. That's why this is this one mission. If the world is almost not broken, if there was no poverty, no pain, if we had wonderful free healthcare, we had this, we had that, Jesus would still be absolutely necessary to each and every single person in this world because we, we are broken without it. Every single person needs him desperately, whether they know him or not. Rich or poor, sick or healthy, strong or weak. There is only one plan for God's one mission. God has one desire, one mission, and there's only one vehicle for it. There's only one plan, and that is us. There is only one plan for the saving of the world, and it's us. I love those stories. I'm sure you guys know them, where there's this meteorite heading to Earth, or alien robots taking over, or something like that. And the whole world is in disarray. And then there's this, usually this group of three 12-year-olds or something. And somehow it ends up that the fate of the whole world rests on their shoulders. And they're like three 12 year olds, and this whole world is going to just crash and burn. Okay? Um, I like that. <laughs> I like really like elementary age and novels, well written ones. So I love those adventures. And we love those stories, you know, the movies. There's one hero that needs to save the whole world. We love those movies because it speaks about our reality. Okay? Now, we are God's only plan. And I'm not putting really a heavy on you guys this morning. My heart has always been encouraged. So if you don't feel encouraged after the service, if you don't feel encouraged after the service, please go speak to me so I can fix it. Okay? I'm not going to be here on you guys this morning. You are the only plan. It's all you. There is so much darkness and pain and the world is ending. And you are the only one who can save us. Okay, I'm not doing that. Okay? But what I'm saying is we are the only thing that stands between the world and eternal Okay, so the decisions we make are extremely important. Okay. It might look like we're all just having a holiday here. We've got jobs, we've got our challenges, we've got our problems, and life is going on, right? But what's actually happening is that we're actually in the middle of a battle. And some people feel it more than others. If you're going to go um, live in the middle of New York City, where it's so anti-Christian that people can smell you're a Christian and then they look at you and they're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or 
in a place like our family in Albania, where the whole culture is so anti-God and completely hardened, and not even just hardened, but anti any sort of, of, of faith. And you're going to feel it more than okay, But we're all in that battle. And there's two things that I just want to share this morning that's important. We know now that we all have one mission. And we know that it's, it's, it's of absolute importance. There is nothing more important than this. Okay? But if you're in the middle of a battle, there's the chance that you're going to die. And you're going to take shots. Okay? So there's two things that I want to encourage you guys this morning. As you are knowingly or unknowingly on the battlefield. Okay, the one thing that you need to do is you need to take responsibility for your heart. Your heart is the engine room of your life, of your body, not the way God makes things. He just puts metaphors and little simple illustrations throughout our bodies, the world, nature, everything. Okay? Your heart is the engine, so it keeps your body going. Your heart is the engine of your life. Proverbs says this. Guard your heart with all diligence. All your diligence. All your diligence. Guard your heart. For out of it flows all the issues of your life. Okay? Life's the world's a mess out there. Bad things are going to happen. Jesus promised. Who repeats that promise every morning? Thank you, Jesus, that you promised us that in this world we will have trouble. I stand, I thank you today that today in this world I will have trouble. Amen, hallelujah, I declare it, I will have it again. <laughs> so this world is messy and broken. The one thing that you need to keep going is a strong heart. And no one can strengthen your heart for you. Okay? And sometimes we don't take diligence to our heart because we don't think it's so important or we don't think we're going to need it that much. But when the Bible talks about this life, and if you read again, you can, you can write a book about gardening with Bible verses. You can, you can read a book about, you can write a book about pet care using Bible verses. I mean, you can um, Bible verses for anything. Okay. But if you take the Bible in its entirety, its message of Christ and his church and the world, you see that everything, everything pertains to this. And you see that we are, the Bible talks about a race. The Bible talks about us as soldiers, as farmers, as, as oxen, as hardworking animals. Okay? The Bible doesn't use the illustration of a holiday or sitting on a beach with our feet in the air. It's for a reason. For this life, we will need courage. And it's not because the Bible was written in a time where there was just hardships and there was just a lot of soldiers and farmers. Paul's, some of Paul's um, most exciting converts, I think, were the guards that were chained to him in the two years that he was in prison. So every couple of hours, the guards would change, and the guards would be tied to him, and he'd have a captive audience to preach to. And these guards were the elite, okay? They were the elite of Caesar. So these guys were rich, they were powerful, they were, you know, they, on their, when they had off, they were having lavish parties, 
was food like that we could not even dream of. Okay? So that was part of their reference. He didn't talk about using pictures of people sitting on deserted islands with a, with a, with a costume and a, and a nice cold drink. Okay? He speaks about soldiers and farmers and enduring hardness. And it's because life is rough. It's not because he's punishing us. It's not because he's sending us difficult things to do to pull character. It's because he knows the battle is real and life is hard and we need a strong heart. Okay, now there's a million different scriptures that you can go read. Um, write down um, write down 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, David encouraging himself in the Lord. Nahum 1 verse 7, Psalm 28 verse 7, Ephesians 6 verse 16 to 17, putting off an armor. There's a million things you can do. Sorry, I'm not through with that. <laughs> 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, David encouraging himself in the Lord. Nahum 1 verse 7, Psalm 28 verse 7, Ephesians 6 verse 16 to 17, putting on the armor. There's so many scriptures you can read. You can go do that about strengthening yourself. Keeping your heart strong. Okay? But you need to keep yourself in the love of God. You need to realize that your heart is of paramount importance for you, for the kingdom, for every single person out there who still needs to hear about the love of God. Okay? Jesus told his disciples, abide in me. Abide in my love. We need to choose that, to keep our hearts strong. Otherwise, we're not going to make it. We're going to give up. We're going to get discouraged. Not because our legs are shot off. You can fight without legs. Not because your arm is shot off. You can fight without an arm. Your head is off. You have a problem with the head of Jesus. You're fine. When your heart gets tired, your body doesn't want to be more. Your mind doesn't want to be more. So we need to keep our hearts in the love of God. We need to do that. This is our biggest offensive action, is keeping ourselves in the love of God. Okay? But then the second one is realizing that we're all called to this together. Okay? I think our culture is one of the most individualized cultures in history. You know, I'm, not wrong, I'm, making, I'm not necessarily right in making an extremely sweeping statement, but if you look at all the different cultures, there was always a sense of the importance of community. We live most of us in complete isolation. Um, I once chatted to a Swiss guy who said, you know, you have everything. So you just go live in your little cubicle in your little flat and you never have to talk to people. Because you've got what you need. And you think that that's good and that's better. And to some extent, we live like that as a church as well. We just kind of operate on our own little mission, and then we come together for Sundays and maybe for life, and we have moments of friends. And it's nice, but we don't realize that it's absolutely essential because we are not just having a nice time here in Stanford. We're part of, obviously, a Grace Life family that's on a specific mission from God and doing something specific. It's a family that's blessed us there. But we're part of, like I said, this worldwide family of believers. And the word says that if one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And we don't really feel that because 
someone is probably being beheaded right now somewhere in the world for being a Christian. If you look at um, the organization Open Doors and the statistics that they have, how many people are being persecuted, how many people were killed because they're Christians and all those things. Statistically speaking, there's, probably, there's a very good chance someone's actually dying right now. Because they're, they refuse to deny their faith in Christ. Now, I'm not feeling that suffering. Which communicates to me that I'm actually missing, missing like what the body is. There's something I'm not seeing. Because I should be realizing that I'm suffering. You know, so there's so much more for us to, to discover. But the whole of the New Testament is actually saturated in church. We like reading the scriptures about uh, the Old Testament, about the promise. We like reading uh, about everything the New Testament says. But, we've, and we, but we like to take it for ourselves and apply it to our own lives. But we forget that none of this was written or aimed as an individual. Now, that's not the letters were written to one person. But it wasn't for you. None of the promises are for you. The promises and, and, and the truths are for us. For us. And our job isn't just to keep our hearts strengthened. Our job is to encourage one another. Constantly. This is what made it so desperately sad for me when I was reading this book of God's Father. Where he went and he found these Christians in hiding. And the moment they saw a foreigner, they would give him the pulpit, not knowing anything about him. And the pastor would say, Please, would you come? Would you speak? And he'd be like, Um, you don't even know what I'm here to say. And the first time he stood there, excuse me if I get emotional, he didn't know what to say. He didn't know these people. And he spoke to them and he interpreted and he said, God has sent me from Holland, and I come on behalf of the believers in Holland to tell you, you are not alone. We have not forgotten you. And those people broke down. Because for years they've been feeling so isolated and lonely and forgotten by the rest of the body. Because you, you can't see letters, you can't get letters. They don't have Bibles. Thank you. I am about history. We are called to run this race together. And you cannot just stick to your own little lane and just run your own little race. Just trust Jesus for everything you need. You're going to miss out because so much of what you need is in the person next to you and is in the person in Albania and in the person in Pakistan. So much of what you need is in the family. And almost the whole New Testament tells us how to daily live and walk in love towards each other. There's scriptures that say walk, you know, walk in such a way that the world can see Christ. But those are very few. Most of the scriptures are, are directing us on how to walk in love towards one another, to spur each other out, to encourage each other, to sing to one another. Could be led by something we got up to Jerusalem. I started singing a spiritual song to encourage <laughs> We can try that on Sunday and see how it goes. But we're called to constantly 
be in each other's lives, be in each other's faces, and be church. Because that's the only way this is ever going to come up, is if we're actually going to pull together and be church. And I think we're extremely privileged in Grace Life because of the kind of family culture we have. Okay, I think it's awesome. It's a, it, it's, I've been to many churches around the world and awesome churches, but Grace Life's my favorite because of the people and the relationships that we have. But there's so much more that God is calling us into. This is part of the Great Commission. This is part of our instructions. We're the soldiers. We're the front line. We need to be, like we just shared last week, that band of brothers. And there's so much in the New Testament, and we don't like reading the second part of the book. The first part is about how you're glorious and you know you're one with Christ and this and that and the next thing. And then the second part is be nice. <laughs> Treat people in love. You know, put other people first. We don't want to read that because that sounds too instructional and legalistic. Okay? It's not legalistic. It's like when you're trained to be a star rugby player. When you're trained to be a teacher like you want to be, when you're trained to be a doctor, when you're teaching your kids how to have table manners, it's not legalistic. It's giving them the tools to do what they want to do. If you want to be a brilliant artist, you don't just go studying about paint. Okay? You need to understand how paint works. You need to understand, you need to be trained, mostly, okay? to do what you need to do. You need to go for art classes. If you want to bake the most amazing cakes that you can eat there, you know, I don't want to bake bad cakes because I like stuff that tastes nice. Okay? I really like good food. So I want to learn how to make good food. We need to learn that. Okay? We want to walk from love towards one, towards one another. We want to be constantly building each other up, not making it harder for each other to live on the mission, but making it easier, easier for each other, to strengthen each other, to encourage each other, not to be the stumbling block. Okay? And the Bible tells us how to do that. Gives us a million instructions. And it's so awesome because you don't have to be like, oh, I want to love, I want to love my brothers and sisters. I don't know how to do that. The Bible tells you. Don't be rude. Don't be selfish. You know? It teaches us how to love each other. Because we need to. We need to be constantly laying down our lives for each other. The way the body works isn't the heart looking after itself first and then it gives a little blood. To an oxygen one part to every other single part of the body when you know we're not fine. Every part of the body exerts itself for the body. Every part of the body exerts itself for the other members. And that's not something we do out of our own strength. We don't protect our own hearts in our own strength. And we don't function as a body and love and build. Our families for our own strength. We do it because we have perfect love inside of us. And that perfect love strengthens us. Okay? We are one with Christ, 1 Corinthians 6 17. We are one with Christ. I was saying to someone earlier this week, I've realized that every single problem I ever have, that I mean like with the washing machine breaking or whatever, if I'm anxious about something or if I'm going into performance and doing something in my own strength. The problem is always really when you come down to it, I don't really see myself as one of the past. Okay? 
if we see and identify ourselves as one with Him, one with perfect love, one with the fullness of grace and truth, one with goodness that fills the earth, if we see ourselves as one, we realize He's our source. We've died. He now lives through us, not like we're puppets in a weird way. Just we were living in a way we were designed to live with the Spirit of God living in and through man. And then all these things are easy. Then we can fight the battle. Then we can stay strong when it gets hard. Then we can be the one that lets life flow to all the other parts of the body. None of us are a, not a finger or a little toe because that means that some things are more vital than other things. We're all equally vital to the body. We're all called to give life for this vehicle, this team, this family. God has called to his one vision, his one mission. And early on in Grace Life, um, you know what you should get, Jerusha? You get like a paintball gun. And then you sit in front of the paintball gun, and if someone goes over time, you just shoot them. Like, <laughs> and like you're done. <laughs> I'm going I'm to finish all that. But when I uh, was early on in Grace Life, the one day we were all praying together, and I um, I really felt God give me this, this picture of all of us making a human chain. And there's a difference between doing that when your kids are just playing, and there's a difference when there's a storm and you can't see a meter in front of you because of the snow or the sea or the fog. And you need this human chain to stay connected, otherwise all is lost. And the picture that I believe God was showing me was that he's calling us to be this human chain in the gathering storm. This is the words I've heard, the gathering storm. The world isn't getting better. Our technology is getting better. That's really awesome. But the world isn't becoming a better place. There's a gathering storm. I'm being prophet. You guys There's a gathering storm at there are people lost in the storm, alone, with no sense of where to go or where to find safety. And we are the human chain. It means we are out in the storm with everybody else, and it's cold and it's miserable, but we're connected and we're together. And then when we find someone lost in the storm, we can connect them in to the human chain. And we can <coughs> I just want to challenge you guys and encourage you guys to really ask the Holy Spirit to give you His eyes, to experience His love for yourself that your heart can be strong, to show you how to protect your heart with all diligence so that it can be strong for the battle, but also to show you what family actually means. Not the worldly sense of family. You know, it's Christmas, we celebrate family, family is so nice. You know, most people's families are most people's families aren't that nice. And even if you have the most amazing family, it's I don't want you to think of family. I want you to think of God's picture of family. And his picture of what the church can be. Not all mighty church having an influence in society and changing the laws. No. Underground, grassroots person to person, being family, 
being the ones who encourage each other daily, even while it's called today. Singing the, singing the songs, encouraging each other with truth and with love, so that we can all be strong and keep running to the legs of grace. Grace Life Tigerberg, they did a series a few months ago on Better Together, a three-part series about being family, practically. Uh, if you guys are on Spotify, you can have a look at that. It's really good. And it will kind of just give another perspective on what we're talking about. Because I really believe that this is one of the most important things we need to ask We all need each other, whether we Believe it or not. But the kingdom needs us to be as well. We've got all we need. It's not now making yourself tired by delivering meals every day to everyone in church and uh, uh, sending out long lists of scripture and then not having time to do your job. It's us all being Christ. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.